The Doll's House Just imagine, it had been sitting innocently on the floor of my cupboard all these years and I'd not known. The school I'm headmistress of is close by and I drop in to see my folks pretty much every day. So what call would I have to go rummaging around in my old cupboards? But I've moved in for a few days to help out since both mum and dad are unwell and I don't want it to escalate into pneumonia. So I'm back in my childhood bedroom and after alternately ignoring the carton and wondering about it, I checked it out today. And I was stunned to see my old doll's house. When I was a little girl, mum and dad used to read me stories every night. Western stories as well as Indian ones. And I was tremendously taken with the concept of a doll's house. No such exotic thing was available in our part of the world at that time. But I was so excited about the whole idea that unbeknownst to me, Dad started visiting auction houses and sale lots from departing expats, hoping to get lucky. It took two years. To say I was beside myself with delight is to underestimate it by miles. I couldn't understand how any child could be willing to be parted from such a fabulous thing. Or how any parent could have left it behind? I declared there and then that if my parents ever tried to give it away, I would run away from home and never come back. The front facade opened magically on a hinge like the cover of a book so you could easily reach inside. There was a mummy doll and a daddy doll and son and daughter dolls all with golden hair and blue eyes. The doors and windows actually opened and closed. The ground floor had a fitted kitchen, living room and dining room and a staircase going up. And the upstairs had two bedrooms and a bathroom, all fully furnished. Only one bathroom between two bedrooms was unfair. And that too upstairs, what if a guest needed to use the toilet, I asked. This triggered a discussion on different cultures, which naturally led to repurposing the doll's house to suit our culture. It was a massive makeover project. We started with Indian clothes in silk with zari and embroidery. The yellowed and peeling walls were repapered with gift wrap. The pictures on the walls were English country scenes with hounds and horses. So dad helped me create new ones using stamps and matchboxes. We used pictures of Gandhiji and Nehru and tigers and elephants and lotuses. I sandpapered the furniture with mum's emery board nail file and painted it with brown nail polish. We spotted up the bathroom fittings and the kitchen appliances with white nail polish too. And we bought a tiny pink plastic kitchen set that included kadhais and pressure cookers and a wooden rolling pin like the one we used at home. We retained all the old English stuff. It could come in handy at Christmas and Easter. But most of the year, our golden-haired family lived an Indian life. And I even fulfilled my desire to tie Rakhi on a brother through those dolls. I made newspapers for the daddy, knitting needles out of toothpicks for the mummy, and I served them meals of real food sometimes. It was a huge adventure, and I was having the most fun a little girl could possibly have. 
Of course, friends came over to play with this exotic object. But I was possessive and bossy and doled out favours in measured doses. I took all the decisions, big, small or irrelevant. It was my personal fiefdom and you played on my terms or not at all. My parents tried to temper my behaviour. But I was obsessed with that doll's house. It was the singular focus of my life. Once it was fully redecorated, it looked resplendent and I was giddy with delight. And then the funny stuff started. I had it out with my mum. Why had she moved the daddy doll without my permission? I'd left him in the living room reading the newspaper when I went to school and he was in the dining room when I came home. Only I could make these changes. It was my doll's house. She dismissed me lightly. Did I think she had no other work to do all day except to be playing with dolls? Go! I must have shifted him myself and forgotten. I complained to dad that night, but he assured me no one would interfere with my toy, which didn't pacify me at all since I knew someone was interfering with it. It could come off in seconds. I'd leave the room for a moment and no one could possibly have hopped in and out so fast unnoticed. Yet, something would be altered. Very obviously, so I'd notice right away. You cannot imagine the ruckus I created. I suspected them all, individually and jointly. I was hyper-vigilant and always sneaking around, bursting suddenly into the room. And though I never caught anybody doing anything, things were still being moved. I was in a kind of frenzy. Who was doing it? And how were they able to do it? Unseen? There was no fun left. And I no longer wanted to play with the doll's house. But I couldn't resist checking. And nearly every day, Something was changed. I began to dread the whole contraption and whoever or whatever was meddling with it. One fateful day, I reached a kind of semi-hysteria, crying and screaming and thrashing about on the floor in an agony of unspoken fear and frustration till I was actually sick with a burning temperature and had to be put to bed. When I recovered and came out again a few days later, the doll's house had been quietly removed. I didn't dare ask about it. Frankly, I was relieved. From that day to this, I've never laid eyes on it again. I've thought about it often, especially as an adult. There had to be some rational explanation. But I didn't ever mention it. So I could hardly believe the darn thing had been here all along. Hiding in plain sight? I brought the carton down to the living room. A bit warily, I confess. There were unresolved issues here and my flesh crept as I unpacked that box. But the poor doll's house looked woebegone and dilapidated and nothing like the sinister thing it had become in my mind. It was sad to see it like that. So between nursing, medicating and generally overseeing everything, I impulsively took up the humongous task of refurbishing it. It was exciting, like being 10 all over again. 
glue, paint, scissors, needle and thread, bits of colored paper and cloth, and zari ribbons were back on the work table. And soon enough, the doll's house was restored to its former glory. Everything was going really well, and when we celebrated Dad's birthday, I put a tiny piece of cake in front of the daddy doll to come back a while later and see him sitting before a plate of plastic fried eggs. I felt the air empty out of my lungs in a whoosh and my knees almost gave way. I'm an adult now, a practical and no-nonsense school headmistress and I could not possibly be seeing what I thought I was. This was madness and I was not going to subscribe to it. But the old unspoken terrors and tensions came surging back and swamped me with their noxious vapours. I logicked myself as hard as I could, but my heart hit a hundred on the panic meter. I refused to accept the evidence of my eyes, which made it doubly horrid. For over the next few days, I was presented with any number of situations. The mummy doll was not where I left her. The living room furniture was rearranged. The paintings in the dining room were switched. I didn't say a word to the parents and fortunately, they didn't notice. In a rerun of the past, I caught myself creeping around the house on tiptoe and I felt physically choked from holding my anxiety in. The parents couldn't be doing it, I knew, not with their arthritic fingers. Nor the nurses and maids either. And I knew I wasn't. Which didn't leave any sensible options. I stood with one leg precariously in the present, determined to hang on to adulthood and rationality, while the other leg threatened to drag my mind and body into a terrifying and irrational past. Even as sensible an adult as I am, suddenly found myself drowning in vividly remembered childhood fears. I cannot express how unspeakably horrid it was. And I'd put too much manic effort into restoring it to pack it away without a coherent explanation. Mum had started on at me about their being much better now and how long was I going to nursemaid them and I should get back to my own home. And she was right. The doc had confirmed they'd both turned the corner. So after a few days, I let myself be convinced. First thing I did was pack that doll's house and all its trimmings back into a large green garbage bag and lower the whole lot into the carton, which I taped and secured as firmly as Fort Knox. I considered destroying it, but that would have required too many explanations not least to my rational self. So I carried it upstairs and pushed it back into its old place at the bottom of my cupboard. It no longer looked innocent to me, but filled with looming menace. You can laugh at me, but I tell you quite plainly, you open that box at your peril. And if you say it looks shabby and needs restoring... You'll have to pass through me before you get anywhere near it. You'll say it's just a beautiful old doll's house and I'm being a ninny. It is a beautiful old doll's house, I quite agree. 
But this much I'll tell you for certain. It's not just that. And I'm certainly no ninny.